Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. Everybody's talking about hacking. You know, did Putin hack Clinton? Or did Trump get hacked in his hotel room or something like that? But the main question for you and I is, is somebody, does somebody have their hand in your pocket right now? Is somebody stealing your identity and your money and whatever they can steal as you're listening to this radio? You know, when I was a kid, you have to be a burglar to steal. You have to break into somebody's house. Now somebody can sit in Russia and steal everything you've got. So the question today is, are you being hacked? How safe are you? And more importantly, what can you do if you're hacked? The Rich Dad Company has been hacked, but thank God we have some real smart, high-tech techies here. And they just fought back like wild people and very little damage was done. But all across the world, every place today in the world, somebody's floating around looking to steal something from you through the Internet. So this is a very important program. What can you do to protect yourself? So our special guest today is Adam Levin, and he's chairman and founder of CyberScout, and he's a co-founder of Credit.com. Great, great, great domain name. And he's the author of Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and identity thieves. And our other guest is Rich Dad Advisor Garrett Sutton. He's an attorney, and he's the author of Start Your Own Corporations, ABCs of Getting Out of Debt. And the reason Garrett is on us right with us today is because you've got to protect yourself, too. Not, you know, an LLC or a C corporation, S corporate. They're not going to stop you today. You must have a whole other level of asset protection, whatever you got. So, first of all, welcome to the program, Adam. Thank you for inviting me, Robert. How did you get into this criminal activity? I mean, this into uh, <laughs> this world, which I, I'm, I'm going to admit I know nothing about, so I'm going to be the dummy today. I'm not pretending to know anything. How did you get into it? Well, many years ago, I was consumer affairs director for the state of New Jersey. I then evolved from there into uh, creating a company, Credit.com, which is an educator and an advocate and product and services site. And through Credit.com, then. Uh, I learned an enormous amount about the problems facing people with identity theft. And, you know, when you talk about business and finances, uh, it's important to sort of start at this point. And that is that when you say the word portfolio, the Pavlovian response of most people is investments. But the truth is we have other portfolios in our lives, our credit portfolio and our identity portfolio. And just as we hope that professional managers are managing our finances, we have to be the professional managers of our credit and our identity portfolios. We have to build them, nurture them, manage them, and protect them. And, and that's where the tie-in really comes. It was sort of the evolution from credit to identity to identity protection. 
And, of course, the problem with identity theft, it has evolved so much beyond just the issue of is somebody uh, uh, compromising your credit card or crawling into your bank account. It's now morphed into medical identity theft, criminal identity theft, tax fraud, uh, child identity theft. There are so many different aspects of it. It keeps getting uglier and uglier. And now, of course, as we saw in the past year, it, uh, political espionage and the fact that the cyber war has replaced the Cold War. That is a brave new world. So, Garrett, attorney and rich that advisor in asset protection, what is your, from an attorney's point of view, for you and I, mom and pop, you know, Hillary, Hillary, let's say Hillary gets hacked, but she's big target, a big target. What is your concern from an asset protection for business owners and for professional investors and just for your personal welfare? Well, Robert, I do focus on asset protection, and typically we talk about entities, LLCs, and corporations to protect yourself. But another facet of asset protection is insurance. Uh, you want to have insurance when you drive a car. You want to have insurance for your home. Within your business, you need insurance. There's a new form of insurance called cyber liability insurance that is a standalone policy that covers a lot of the claims we're going to be talking about today. So it's very important for business owners to realize that these threats are out there and that you can protect against them by having the right insurance policy. So let me ask Adam this question. So when somebody comes in and hacks you, you know, mom and pop, what are they stealing? And what do they, what do they use it for? Well, they could be stealing a, a number of things. Uh, they could be stealing uh, personal identifiable information of your employees, uh, which they then use to commit tax fraud. They could be stealing your personal identifiable information. They could be getting as much information as possible for the purpose of launching phishing attacks. Now, there are four types of phishing attacks. Uh, one is phishing itself. That's generic phishing, dear cardholder, dear member, dear account holder. There's spear phishing, dear Robert. There's phishing. That's where someone calls you on the phone and masquerades as if they are your financial institution. They start with asking you about whether or not certain transactions are legitimate or suspicious. And then they go a step further, and it's done in such a way that you don't even realize it's happening, is where they say, could you just you know, flip over your credit or debit card and give us the security code on back? We just need to confirm you're you. And I've seen cases where once someone does that and they've now just given them their card, uh, they then say, we need your social security number because we're going to start a file and we're going to help you restore your identity because you have a problem. And, of course, once you give them your social security number, they now have your life. And the fourth kind of phishing is known as smishing, SMS-based phishing, and that's where you get a text telling you an account has been frozen. But if you click on this link and go to this particular website and give them some information, they will reauthorize your account and unfreeze it. So hackers are really looking for any piece of information they can get that can either lead them to even more information and what they really want, the mother load, is if they can get Social Security numbers through files, and they've done it through W-2 attacks where they phishing attack and they make you think the email is coming from your accountant or somebody asking you for backup information for W-2s. But when they get those Social Security numbers, now you have a big problem because you can change your credit and debit card number, but you cannot change your Social Security number, which means you're looking over your shoulder for the rest of your life. Holy mackerel. So every time somebody says, what's your Social Security number? What should a person do? 
Well, first of all, you have to figure out whether or not the person that's asking you for your Social Security number should be asking you. I understand so, that. but So, you know, a variety of things. First of all, never authenticate yourself to anyone who contacts you. If you've made a phone call, if you're in the process of doing a transaction, let's say you've decided you want to apply for a credit card, it's not illogical that they would ask you for your Social Security number, either online, but it should be on a secure site with HTTPS in the actual address, or on the phone, if you've called your bank and you want to open an account and they ask you for your Social Security number, that's also not illogical. Uh, if you go to a doctor's office and they ask you for your Social Security number, you don't need to give it to them. They make you think you do, but you don't. They don't need it. They have your insurance information. A lot of times they have your credit card before you get out of the office. They don't need it. Uh, and the, 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 one of the excuses one doctor gave me was, well, in the event you die, I need to put your Social Security number on your death certificate. I said, then call my wife. Call my lawyer. <laughs> Doesn't matter to me at that point, but it could matter to my estate. So um, you've got to be very careful because, unfortunately, we are – social security number addicted and you know for those of us who uh, carry around medicare cards that is the ultimate insanity and that is that while the government has been working uh, now vigorously to try to get social security numbers off everything until a law was passed last year your medicare number uh, on your card is your social security number and a letter so last last question is this what did they do with that social security number well, it's, it's as far as they're concerned. Oh, you mean the, the hackers? Yeah. What they what they do is they will they they either can take let's say your social security number, Garrett's name and address, my birth date, create a bionic person, and then there's like a new sub file in a credit reporting agency, and then they start opening accounts or committing medical identity theft, getting medical treatment. Uh, they will use it to commit tax fraud. Uh, identity theft, tax-related identity theft, is a big deal now. Because if you're a criminal syndicate, why do you need guys basically standing under street lamps doing drug deals in the middle of the night where they could get arrested or killed or whatever, and that could lead back to you, when you could have people sitting in motels with their feet up on uh, coffee tables wearing bunny slippers, basically uh, entering data into uh, their computer and then into online tax sites uh, and ending up with refunds. Uh, but it's your information. Holy mackerel. So, Garrett... And, Robert, Robert, the state of California has passed a law saying you don't have to give your Social Security number in a regular business transaction. So, uh, and other states are following suit. Uh, as well, to Adam's point, right now people are filing false uh, tax returns uh, with the IRS. It starts right up in January, and they hope to get the tax return into the IRS and the refund back before the real Social Security number holder even files their returns. So, Garrett, your your company was hacked, right? Correct. What what, what was your immediate response? Well, we had to uh, shut down our entire credit card payment system. We had some bad guys in Brazil that had 59,000 stolen credit cards, and they attempted to run $1 transactions through our system to see if the cards were still active. Uh, 1,600 of them went through uh, before we were able to shut it down on Monday morning. And uh, we had to refund those $1 transactions to everybody. It took 40 hours of employee time to reverse the charges. Um, and we learned that we didn't have the appropriate filters in place. Uh, we use a company called Authorize.net, and 
they have a free daily velocity filter, but we should have had the amount filter where we wouldn't accept something less than $20, uh, the hourly velocity filter where we wouldn't accept more than, you know, 10 transactions an hour. Uh, we didn't have the proper filters in place, and now we do. Our subject today is, you know, pretty disturbing for me to listen to. You know, we've all heard about the hacking going on between Russia and the U.S., and I find it interesting that many people think the U.S. doesn't hack. Everybody's hacking. It was John Bolton, you know, got up there, and he just said, hey, is Russia hacking us? He says, no, we're hacking them too. We're hacking. Everybody's hacking, and so are you being hacked. So that's why this thing is not about Hillary or Bill or Donald. It's about what you and I are being hacked right now because it's a very, very big business. Our special guest today is Adam Levin. He's a chairman and founder of CyberScout, and he's a co-founder of Credit.com. And his latest book is Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. And his website is CyberScout.com or AdamLevin.com. Another guest is Garrett Sutton. He is a Rich Dad advisor on asset protection. He's an attorney, author of Start Your Own Corporation. And the ABCs are getting out of debt. His wife, his website is sutlaw.com. And for full disclosure, our rich dad was hacked, and we have a full team here. They went right back at it, sorted it all up. If it was me being hacked, I'd have, I wouldn't even know I was being hacked. That's how bad it is. And also Garrett's firm got hacked, and he went right back and cost him a lot of money. So this... This is a problem that is important to all of us, regardless of who we are and where we are and all this, whether you're president of the United States or Joe Schmo on the street here. So let's go into um, Adam Levin's book, Swipe. You know, you say that it's too late to protect yourself. Is that what you're saying? Well, what I'm saying is that while it's important to try to do everything you can to protect yourself, the reality is that... Uh if you're on the wrong database at the wrong moment, the wrong person gains unauthorized access, you've got a problem. And unfortunately, that's happening over and over again. There's been over one billion, think Dr. Evil, pinky to the lips, B, billion files that were improperly accessed up to 2016, probably another one billion files during 2016, or at least announced in 2016. And it's only escalating. And that's because, unfortunately... Uh, government has done a miserable job of protecting databases, and most businesses either don't understand what to do, uh, don't know how to do it, uh, or even if they know what to do and how to do it, they may not have the resources to do it. That's why perhaps one of the things that should be considered by this Congress, assuming they can agree on the day of the week, uh, would be a tax credit for businesses that make investments in cybersecurity, and I'm talking small businesses as well as big businesses, because a lot of the hackers are now gravitating towards smaller businesses because they feel that they are um, unprotected or at least uh, weakly protected. So that's what Yahoo got hacked. Oh, yeah, Yahoo, Sony, Target, uh, Home Depot, the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, which I think may have been the worst where there was a, a 21 and a half million social security numbers, 19 million investigative reports with the most intimate details about people's lives, which could make them targets for extortion and, and uh, fraud and bribery, uh, as well as six million sets of fingerprints. So, you know, as a spy, you can change pretty much anything, but you can't change your <laughs> fingerprints. So 
uh, you know, it was pretty devastating. This goes on every day of every week. So, you know, the premise of the book really is that you have to focus on what now is considered the three M's. And the first is how do you minimize your risk of exposure? And there are a variety of things as consumers and businesses we can do. Uh, monitor is the second M. Manage the damage is the third M. But as, as we talked about offline, and I'm sure we'll be talking about, we are now in a world of Internet of Things devices, billions of devices that are tracking, gathering information, sending it back to manufacturers, theoretically, because they'll make the product better and more consumer-friendly. But unfortunately, those devices can be hacked. And when hacked, they could become a vehicle to shut down websites, to access networks, of businesses and consumers. So how do you reduce your attackable service? And that's one of the critical things that so, uh, to talk about. So can my cell phone be hacked? Oh, absolutely. And what happens when they hack my cell phone? Well, it, it depends, uh, you know, what they get their hands on. Uh, they can, they, you know, even though there are better protections now on cell phones than before, the issue is if you click on the wrong link and malware gets on your phone, they could get into your phone. They could get your contacts. Uh, if you have uh, certain apps that you have saved, they might be able to access those apps and get right into your bank account or your brokerage account or whatever. Uh, they also use cell phones as the pathway into systems of businesses. Because how many businesses do you know allow people to access their systems by way of a mobile device, either an iPad or a laptop or a cell phone? And unfortunately, those businesses do not necessarily require those mobile devices to have the same kinds of security protocols on them that the business requires for its own system. And as a result, this has been considered one of the entryways. Because, again, all you need is one person clicking on the wrong link, having malware that can enter the network of a business. And as you saw from Yahoo and some of the other hacks, and even the DNC, uh, or the Office of Personal Management, the hackers could be lurking around for months, if not years, gathering information, looking at different transactions that are going on before anybody even knows they're there and throws them out. So this is my next question. You know, a person like me, I mean, you could, be, I, you could hack me. I wouldn't even know it for 10 years. So, Garrett, what was the first sign that you were hacked? Uh, just all these transactions uh, that we saw on Monday morning, the $1,600 transactions. And what did that say to you? <laughs> it said to me we'd been hacked, and we were on the phone immediately. And who do you call? Uh, we called. Uh, we deal with uh, Heartland and Authorized.net, and so we were on the phone with our uh, credit card processors uh, and shutting down the system. Uh, and then, you know, we had a duty to refund those $1 payments to everyone. It was a lot of work. So, Adam, who's a, you know, let's say I'm just like me. I'm just by myself. I don't have a company and all that. What's the first sign I'm hacked? Well, it depends. I mean, the first sign you're hacked is it might show up in your personal life. You might attempt to file a tax return and you're blocked. Uh, you might turn on your computer and a skull would be staring back at you with a ticking clock telling you you have 91 hours uh, to make a payment in Bitcoin or else your files are going to be either deleted or permanently encrypted. Um, you could find out when you're attempting to get a mortgage, that uh, there already is a mortgage in your name somewhere. You could have credit card numbers that are changed. 
you could have medical treatments that you knew nothing about. I mean, I have one instance where uh, one woman, 72-year-old grandmother, uh, when she was looking at her explanation of benefits for her insurance company, saw that on the same day on opposite sides of the country, two laboratories were charging for a sperm viability test and a pregnancy test. So, I mean, there are so many different ways. You could uh, be driving on the road, as, and you're pulled over by the police for a busted taillight, and all of a sudden your car is surrounded by guys with guns because there's a warrant for your arrest for a crime you never committed in a state you were never in. And a lot of people go, now, now you are a high-profile person, but there are a lot of people that would say, why does anybody care about me? I'm just a regular person. Nobody cares. What people have to understand is, to a hacker, to a scammer, to an identity thief, we are all Kim Kardashian. All right. Anyway, once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Today, our program is really about hacking. It's in the news today, how nobody is safe today. And what can you do in this brave new world where the thieves can be sitting thousands of miles away and steal everything you got, make life miserable for a long, long time. So, uh, Adam, what happens when somebody steals your Social Security number? What does a person do? Well, there are a few things you should do. One prime piece of advice is, even before anything like this happens, uh, check with your insurance company, your financial services institution, the HR department where you work, and find out if they have an identity theft protection program for you. Because a lot of people don't realize that many, many institutions, especially after all the things that have happened, uh, have programs in place now that will get you through an identity incident. And many people are surprised to find out that it's free. It's offered as a perk of your relationship with the institution. So check with your insurance agent, check with your bank rep, check with your HR department, say, do you have a program? Am I in it? If not, what do I need to do to get in it? Is it free or do I have to pay for it? Because if you're not in a program and if it takes you a while to find out you are having a problem and let's say it morphs into medical identity theft, which could take years to unravel, you're going to have to do everything from contact the credit reporting agencies, put fraud alerts on your file, put a credit freeze on your credit, um, write up all these uh, things follow explanation of benefit statements, deal with the Internal Revenue Service, uh, talk to creditors, and oftentimes it takes months to sort this stuff out because, unfortunately, with identity theft, you're guilty till proven innocent. That's unfair, but real, a reality. Hey, Garrett, what, you know, what have you learned? I mean, it's kind of a wake-up call. What are you doing differently, and how are you being more proactive? Well, we uh, have instituted those filters. We're not going to be uh, accepting those type of transactions anymore. What kind of, we what should kind have of, had the filters in place to begin with. What, what, what is, is a filter the, and what kind of transaction? Cause you're talking to this is on a credit card transaction where you, your uh, business takes uh, credit cards over the Internet, and uh, people uh, were misusing our system uh, in, in part because we didn't have these filters in place that limit the number of transactions, that limit the dollar amount of the transactions. Uh, so what know, a filter does is as soon as there's too many transactions coming through, it shuts down? Correct. I see. And where do you right. get the, who, do you get, who do you get those things from? Your, the, the credit card processor that you use would have those filters available. And... They had them available, but you didn't use them. Is that what we, happened? Somehow, we—I thought we had them in place, and somehow they 
they they did not uh, they weren't in place at the time, and uh, we have since put them back. Everybody's being hacked. There's nobody that's safe today. So our special guest today are Adam Levin, and he's a chairman and founder of CyberScout and co-founder of Credit.com. He's the author of Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. And Richard Advisor Garrett Sutton, he's an attorney, and his specialty is asset protection, and he's author of Start Your Own Corporation, very important book for anybody who's going to be a, you know, have anything, any kind of assets. Garrett's website is sutlaw.com. Since Rich Dad, Rich Dad Radio Show is about education, and I want to ask Adam about how do you educate your workers or employees or co-workers or your family about cybersecurity awareness training? How do you bring people up to speed? Well, there are programs now made available by many companies. We do it, and a lot of other people do it, where um, we bring people in, we sit down, we talk to the organization, uh, we set modules up. There are automatic programs that will send mock phishing attacks. Uh, employees don't know when they're coming. If they click on a link, it may say, you've just been fished. Uh, you just allowed malware to get into the system. And, you know, the, the, the biggest problem that, that, that companies have to grapple with is, I've had so many people say, you know, this is so great. When we started, 80% of our people fell for it. Now we're down to 1%. And I said, you know, the problem is, this is it's not even about percentages. All you need is one person, one person to click on the wrong link. So the question isn't even how do you train people to identify phishing, which is critical. It's also how do you train people to identify that someone is actually in your system and the data may be exfiltrated. Uh, is there a spike in data going out of your systems that doesn't look right? Now, in the target situation, they never saw that because the people who got into their systems were so clever, they moved the data sideways, and then they moved it out, but they never moved too much out that it would tip anybody off. So, I mean, this is a very sophisticated problem. That being said, you know, a lot of people go, well, let's just throw money at technology, and there's a fabulous quote, Bruce Schneier from the Electronic Frontier Foundation said it what I think best, which is if you think technology can solve your security problems, then you don't understand security and you don't understand the technology. It's about culture. It's about creating a culture at your organization, creating a culture at home, in your family, where it's all about security and privacy. And it's got to be an ownership thing. It's, I own this. I'm responsible for this. It is my job to protect whatever it is I'm doing. I have to protect the information for that. And this has got to be a, a, a culture and a psychology that goes from the mailroom to the boardroom in any organization or just from the guy who is, you know, making deliveries on behalf of your company uh, up to the people that run it. Uh, as well as making sure that the people with whom you do business uh, also share that philosophy. Because we are moving now to an environment where, and you look at it with the HIPAA laws and with healthcare, but it's also going to be moving to general corporate, uh, and that is you are your vendor. If you share information of your clients and customers with your vendor and there is an incident, they're coming after everybody, including you. So people have to be very aware of that and be very careful with who they choose. I mean, with Target, it was an HVAC contractor that got breached that ended up bringing down 
millions of people. Hey, Garrett, what happened after you, you um, were hacked? Did you start your awareness training and all that? Yeah, we've uh, talked to everybody in the uh, organization about what happened. And uh, the, the good thing about cyber liability insurance, uh, they can bring in third-party risk management firms to provide training. Obviously, the insurance company doesn't want to pay out the claim, so the more people that are educated about these issues, the better for them. And so you, as part of the policy, you can have people come in and, and train the employees, which we've done. But, Robert, what's very important about that, too, is that you have to read the policies carefully. You have to have a pro help you understand the policies because there are things they include, things they don't include, and some of the requirements they have, which is you have to be able to prove to your insurer that certain representations that you made about the security that you have, you really have, that you have really done what you need to do to protect. And in addition, when an incident occurs, you have to be able to prove to them and the regulators that you had a plan in place as to how to respond, who to call, when to call, how to interact with the media, how to interact with your customers. It's all about companies, large or small, responding urgently, transparently, and empathetically. And the liability folks, the insurers, are as interested in that as anybody else. You know, LifeLock says it can make your a social security number public. What do you think about that claim? Well, that was the uh, that was the head of LifeLock who did that when he put his social security number on literally on a billboard and ran around town with a megaphone. And then he was breached about 13 times. So the truth is they they've changed a lot of their <laughs> advertising. Uh, since those days, not to mention the fact the Federal Trade Commission has made life miserable for them, still didn't stop them from being sold for $2.4 billion recently. But, um, you know, again, never get fancy. Don't get hubris. Bottom line is, whatever your information you need to covet, because this is, and based on everything you talk about in the show, your personal identifying information is your asset. It. it can be a gateway to wonderful things in your life, or it can be a nightmare. And it's really up to you, unfortunately, uh, to be very covetous of this information. And the ultimate guardian of the consumer, I don't care what they tell you, the ultimate guardian of the consumer is still the consumer because no one has a stake in your financial future that is greater than yours. Once again, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Our guest today, Adam Levin. He is the author of Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. And Garrett Sutton, he's a rich dead advisor on asset protection. He's an attorney. He's author of Start Your Own Corporation and the ABCs of Getting Out of Debt. His website is sutlaw.com. And Adam's website is cyberscout.com. What does a hacker look like? Could they just be sitting in their own little room doing what they're doing or... Do you, do you even need to be a human being? Is, is Are there robotic ha hackers now? Well, there's usually somebody behind a program, somebody that created the program. But, you know, you have these programs like the ones that tie together these Internet of Things devices and then launch them on websites that are auto automated. But you have four types of hackers in the world. Uh, the main four. One is state-sponsored. We certainly heard a lot about them, Chinese, Russia, Iran, Iraq, Syria. Um, now, 
they are either direct employees of a nation or they are a collective of hackers that are sort of like guns for hire. And a lot of them are unbelievably sophisticated, and their whole goal is to do whatever they need to do to keep their employer happy. You have the for-profit hackers. We certainly saw that with Target, Home Depot, Sally Beauty Supply, with a number of the medical facilities that have been breached, even with the government agencies that have been breached. It doesn't necessarily have to be a state-sponsored hacker. You also have the cause hackers. You saw that with the Ashley Madison breach, with the Sony breach. Uh, and then you have the Because I Can guys, which I guess could be defined as the 400-pound guy sitting on a bed in his mother's basement in New Jersey that the Donald told us about during the campaign. <laughs> but the issue here is it doesn't matter who the hacker is. The question is, if you're in the crosshairs of the hacker, you have lost total control of your information. And it's up to them as to what they do with it, when they do what they do with it. And if it's your Social Security number, this is a lifetime issue because this is money in the bank. It never has an expiration date until the day you die. And even then, with a lot of people, it doesn't have an expiration date for a long period of time. Any comments, Eric Garrett? Yeah, these are very good points. This is something that most small businesses don't think about. They tend to think that the hackers are only going after Target. They're only going after government agencies. Uh, but half of all attacks now, uh, the most recent report I read, are aimed at small businesses. The small businesses, first of all, don't appreciate the risks, and they don't have the money to adequately protect themselves. So it's the low-hanging fruit for a lot of these hackers. So if you're a small business owner out there, this is something you ac absolutely need to pay attention to. And it's going to become more and more prolific uh, as time goes on. And not to mention the fact that they're also going to be looking at tools, as you had mentioned earlier, different kinds of tools, whether it's tools to train, programs to train, or tools that can help employers uh, in terms of making sure their employees know that certain websites should be off limits based on uh, security uh, uh, ratings. I mean, we've developed a new product uh, uh, that, uh, that rates sites on credibility, on security, on privacy. And that's another big thing. It is so very important, whether you're a consumer or a business, that before you agree, when you put an app on your phone, on your mobile device, on your computer, that you agree to what the permissions are that they're asking for. Because a lot of people don't understand that they are giving up scads of information to different organizations, and many of those organizations may in fact be hacked because, frankly, the sad truth is at some point every company in America will become a victim of some, certainly a target, and many of them will become victimized by hacks or multiple hacks multiple times. Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki. I want to thank you guys for your time. You know, it's been, um, this, for me, it's personally disturbing. Thank God I have a whole team of people here that know what you guys are talking about, but it still doesn't mean I should be complacent. So that's what I really appreciate about it because I had no reality of the uh, depth, scope, and magnitude of the problem. So I thank both, you know, Garrett Sutton, our attorney at Rich Dad, as well as Adam Levin, author of Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. This has really got me disturbed because there's almost no protection from it. You know, like at least when I was a kid, you could lock your door. 
the irony of it, as a kid, we never locked our doors. People just didn't steal. And now, you know, it's you don't even know who's coming at you, who's going to betray you. You know, somebody from inside your company could steal from you. You'll never know. And today our big subject is hacking cybersecurity and how safe are you. And it seems like everybody's being hacked. Our guests are Adam Levin, and he's author of Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, Identity Thieves. Garrett Sutton, attorney and rich dad advisor, start your own corporation. But Garrett is our specialist on how you protect yourself from thieves who attack you through lawsuits. And Garrett's website is sutlaw.com. Adam's website is cyberscout.com or adamlevin.com. This is the Ask Robert part of the program where people get to ask their questions. But And you can submit your questions to askrobert at richdadradio.com. So I want to start with the first question. You know, this for me personally overloads me. I'm going, holy mackerel, how much I don't know. So I'm going to ask as briefly as possible, Garrett and Adam, what is the first step for somebody like me who knows nothing? You know, I barely use a cell phone. But knowing the cell phone is a point of entry also, my social security number and friends, family, filling out credit applications, going to the hospital, talking to a doctor, everybody's fishing right now. So, Garrett, what would you say the first step for an amateur would be right now? Well, the first step is to be aware of the problem, and I, I think the second step is to read Adam's book. <laughs> um, this is a huge problem. It's coming to not only your business, it's coming at you personally. No one can escape this problem. Uh, there's no hiding on the Internet. And so you just have to be aware of the problem and be educated. And so, Adam, what would you say the first step for somebody like me as somebody who is um, completely in the dark? Well, I think the first step is trying to learn as much as you possibly can about the threats that are out there. And certainly there are a variety of sources, everything from the Federal Trade Commission to the different credit reporting agencies to sites like CyberScout, Credit.com, sites like that, where information is available to, to kind of give you the, the sort of the, the, the lay of the land. But then you also have to be alert. You have to be looking for things that don't look right. You know, it's like we say in New York, if you see something, say something. Well, you really need to do that. And the third thing is you have to contact institutions you trust and say, do you have a program available to help me if I have a problem? Okay, so you have the five, you have this little white paper here, five cybersecurity myths we need to ditch. You know, one, software will not protect you, will protect you. Two, cybercrime is mostly about credit card fraud. Three, cybercrime is only about making a buck. Cybercriminals don't target small businesses, and there's no way to stop a cyber attack. So there, there's, there's a lot of myths that are in people's, like mine, head. And I would say that's why I would get Adam's book, author of Swiped, because uh, from my friends who have, who have been swiped, it's a painful, painful, expensive process to get back to normal again. So it's anyway, agony, agony, time-consuming and yeah. agony. So I'm going to be I'm going to be on it as soon as I leave this radio radio booth. So uh, Melissa, what's the first question for Ask Robert? Robert, our first question today comes from Brian in Omaha, Nebraska. Favorite book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. It says, what are the legal risks of using a third-party service provider for cybersecurity? Garrett, you want to take that one? Sure. The, the legal risks are that you are still responsible. If you have a, a credit card processor, you turn over information from your site to the credit card processor, you are still responsible if that credit card processor gets hacked. So you can't pass on the liability here 
just by virtue of using an independent third party. Uh, the risks are huge. So you're still, uh, you're still responsible. Adam, any comments? Well, if it's an identity theft service provider, obviously you can create a contractual situation where, you know, they would share an enormous percentage of, of the responsibility and the liability in the event they fail to do what they're supposed to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, in any litigation, everybody's going to be brought in. So um, it is time-consuming, it is expensive, and it's agony with that as well. God, you got to put me on suicide watch now. <laughs> <laughs> you are your vendor. That is, always keep thinking about that. The new yeah. paradigm is you are your vendor. What action can somebody take if you're part of Yahoo that's been hacked or Home Depot or, you know, like Hillary Clinton's been hacked? What can you yeah. do as that person? Well, there are, there are a variety of things you can do. I mean, the first is that you really need to get a handle on what your what your credit report says, what your credit score says. Uh, that's important because if it takes a sudden precipitous drop, it could be an indication you either didn't make a payment, you used too much of your credit, or you're a, a victim of identity theft. You need to check your accounts on a daily basis, especially if it's a credit card or debit card breach. You could change the credit or debit card. Many banks just automatically do that, but it's not a cheap date for the institution. So it's incumbent upon us to look, because, for example, many credit and debit cards are sold on the black market in the dark web by zip code. And the reason is because they're designed to evade bank systems that track. And if a, if a transaction occurs in a zip code that seems to be normal for you, it might escape the tracking. But you would know. So either check your accounts or sign up for what's called transactional monitoring offered by banks, credit card companies, uh, or other financial services companies that notify you anytime there's activity in your accounts. You can also get more sophisticated forms of monitoring, which is a combination credit and identity monitoring, which is where they're monitoring any activity with your Social Security number. Yeah, but this, so, is my, uh, this is my question. Does Yahoo owe its customers anything for being victims? Well, you know, the problem in the Yahoo case is that that, that that passwords and login information, people tend to do that universally. Uh, but a lot of institutions in the past have taken the position that the most they would owe you is some form of monitoring so that you would know that you're having a problem. And there is some resolution uh, attached to it. Got it. All right. So Melissa, what's the next question for Ask Robert? Thank you for that, Adam. Our next question comes from Rebecca in Dallas, Texas. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She said, it seems that every day I get a letter from a business or a company that I've done a transaction with that they have experienced a, quote, data breach. What can we do? You still have to make purchases on a daily basis. Are we heading to a cash-only system? What do you think, Adam? Uh, I don't think we're heading to a cash-only system. I mean, despite certain folks that have been on radio that say you should tear up your credit cards and live in cash, unless you're going to live in a log cabin on Loon Lake and off the grid, we are part of a system, and we can't escape the system. So the question is, how do we intelligently operate within the system? And that is, cover your information, only go to legitimate websites, only download verified apps that have been reviewed that are in app stores, uh, that uh, are either Apple or uh, Google, uh, and then uh, make absolutely sure that you are on the alert if you see something strange and to contact 
your insurer, your bank, your HR department where you work and find out if they have a program. But that doesn't mean if somebody's breached and they offer a program, many of them are very good, the programs they offer, sign up for the program. It never hurts to have additional monitoring and to have an alternative when it comes to resolution. Any comments there, Garrett? Yeah, you just, uh, just to sum it up, you need to be very suspicious nowadays. Yeah, yeah. don't click on links for sure. Right. Even if it's from someone you know, call that person first and say, did you just send me something? Right. And never, never authenticate yourself on any link that you click. Always go to the legitimate website yourself or call a confirmed number. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Jessica in Eugene, Oregon. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Is it worth it to invest in one of these credit security monitoring companies, or is it enough for me to just monitor my own credit reports? Well, that's a question for Adam there. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, the truth is that, uh, that unfortunately, because hacking has become so sophisticated, because phishing attacks have become so sophisticated, uh, you may not catch things that a, a monitoring, a sophisticated monitoring program will catch. For instance, they have a new feature for a number of the monitoring programs called Me Not Me or Instant Alert. And that means instead of someone saying, hey, Robert, you know, by the way, a couple weeks ago somebody opened an account in your name, sort of like when they like to talk about the LifeLock Monitor, the TV commercial, which is pretty funny. Um, it's a pro it's a program that says robert someone is attempting to open an account in your name right now is it you yes or no uh you can't really do that yourself there's no way you're going to know like these monitoring programs are going to know but that doesn't mean you still can't look at your credit reports at annualcreditreport.com check out your scores more and more financial institutions are offering free scores check your accounts or sign up for transaction alerts at banks Check your explanation of benefit statements coming from your medical provider to make absolutely sure you were at that appointment or you had that procedure. Uh, but still, still, it's a good idea to think about a more sophisticated monitoring program. That's uh, ungodly important advice. That's what that TV show is, that commercial is funny, where the bank robbers come in, they say, well, I'm not here to stop the robbery. I'm just here to monitor the robbery. That's right. Yeah. Just I'm just a monitor, or the dent. I'm not really a dentist. I'm just here to tell you that you have a cavity. Yeah. So, uh, Adam, thank you very, very much for your uh, contribution to my depression at this moment. <laughs> 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 I had no idea how big the, uh, should, lack of a better word, problem or challenge or the sophistication of what a person needs to be prepared today for what's happening, not going to what is happening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.